Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Love isn't so simple, Ninochka. Ninochka, why do doves bill and cool? Why do snails, the coldest of all creatures, circle interminably around each other? Why do moths fly hundreds of miles to find their mates? Why do flowers slowly open their petals? Oh, Ninochka, surely you feel some slight symptom of the divine passion. A general warmth in the palms of your hands. A strange heaviness in your limbs. A burning of the lips that isn't thirst, but something a thousand times more tantalizing, more exalting than thirst. You're very talkative. See, now I'll start with G'day on this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> G'day, everybody. No, I won't do that. That's too Australian. <laughs> that was very Australian. Like, just, like, reel it in, buddy. Just, we got, just we got American listeners, yeah. too. Just. We're talking oh, about God. Russians here. That's yeah. right. G'day everybody and welcome to another episode of Awards Don't Matter, the uh, podcast that takes a look at the best picture winners and the losers and decides whether they still matter or not. My name is Andrew Pierce, and I'm joined by my faithful, dedicated co-host Dave uh, <laughs> on the other side of the world. Welcome. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like I should apologize for our last episode. I feel like I was probably yelling a lot, so I'll try and be a little more even when we talk about a good movie instead of God Wind. We're going to move on to something good. Yeah, and look, we can have some live reactions as well because you tweeted out about um, uh, that particular recording that particular episode, and we've had two people who have commented. Uh, we don't, yeah, I wouldn't probably usually do this, but nonetheless, here we are. We have um, Alaria who says if someone puts this whole line on their dating profile, run, uh, which is uh, Clark Gable as Rep Butler from Gone with the Wind, saying you should be kissed and often. Look, if you look and, like Clark Gable, you say that to me. But otherwise, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we also have Cyril Woodcock who says, "Please talk about the Rhett Scarlet slash uh, Jamie Cersei parallels." And which given, Andrew did I, not understand at all. I did not understand. Him. Went right over a, my head. That I is don't a understand. Game of Thrones reference. Like we didn't go into that. Uh, that's a that's a very specific podcast. Maybe maybe they should do that podcast. We can talk about classic movies and Game of Thrones parallels. I'm sure there is a large listener base just for that but that's not us <laughs> not me i've never seen the show i will never watch the show one thing i will watch again and again and again is uh ernst lubitsch's ninochka uh which is the film that we're going to be discussing on this particular episode uh it is written by charles brackett billy wilder and walter reich now, part of the reason why I decided to do this particular film originally we were going to do Wizard of Oz, and then I decided that enough people have talked about this film, and not enough people have talked about Ninochka. Uh, plus, we have fairly limited chances of talking about Ernst Lubitsch films, because um, never won a Best Picture, and so... Right. Uh, I felt that we kind of should talk about it, and this is Greta Garbo's second last film. So... Tell us the plot of Ninochka, Dave. All right. Well, first, like you mentioned Billy Wilder, and that was probably the thing that blew me away the most. Like as I turned it on and the the credits started to roll, I was like, Billy Wilder wrote this? Okay, I am in for a good, good movie. Like I am hyped for this now, and I was not disappointed. So I guess the basic plot of this, it starts off with these like 
Soviet agents show up in Paris to sell jewelry that they stole, essentially took during the Russian Revolution, right? And then it all gets halted uh, by the legal system, and then they have to bring in Nanochka. To, she's like the fixer, right? She comes in to fix the problem, and it essentially becomes a romance between her and the guy who's getting in the way of these things being sold, hilarity ensues um and it's it's really interesting because like people who like maybe just watch this movie and don't have a like wide range of experience with classic film it is a big big deal that girl was in this a comedy like the if you look at like the wikipedia page the poster it says ninochka underneath it says don't pronounce it see it which i liked i thought that was very cute (laughs) um but at the top, it says Garbo laughs. It was a big, big deal. This, like, sex symbol, but, like, very – did a lot of serious roles, did a lot of, like – she's always kind of in the in the background, like, kind of, like, sexually, like, glowering at people. Like, she's very, like, like very powerful, impactful performance. So for her to do a full comedy does not fit with her career at all. But, Andrew, this movie is so good. I'm it's so, so good, isn't it? I am so, it, and it's. I'd never heard of it. Not only never seen it, I like Nanochka. What is that? So I, I went same, in, yeah. Went of this totally blind. Didn't know who was in it. Didn't know who wrote it. Just like you know, found a copy and press play. And I was charmed by this. Like even before Garbo shows up, I was charmed by this movie. I was like, oh, this is great. It's like a comedy of errors. I mean, Bella Lugosi is in this under crazy amounts of like you know hair and makeup. A lot of stuff going on there for him. Um, but then when Garbo shows up, man, this, you, I mean, it's one of those, like, it's hard to separate the fact that she was a movie star, but sometimes a person shows up on your screen and you're like, even if this movie wasn't about her, I would be watching her. Like, she's just got whatever it is. She has got it in spades. Like, you just want to pay attention to her. And her comedic timing in this is like, why wasn't she doing comedies from the beginning? It's perfect. Like, she never... Mm. She never misses, right? In the beginning, never at all. Yeah. And in the beginning, it's it's you. She's essentially ends up playing kind of two different characters. At the beginning, she's like a Russian stereotype, right? Very pretty, very serious, quote unquote, no sense of humor. You know, like I'm not willing to, you know, deal with your nonsense, sir. I am here for a job, and very, very serious. And then, you know, she starts to fall for this guy. She starts to lighten up, and there's a there's a scene in this movie where he is trying to tell her a joke. Um, and the joke is this landing for everyone else and not for her. And it is a brilliantly staged, brilliantly written, wonderfully performed scene. And the thing that finally gets her to laugh is when he freaks out and falls down and like just about breaks his, breaks his ass on the way down to the ground and her laugh in that scene. Like, I just want to, I just want that. It's infectious. It just is yeah. like, it is a full throated, full body laugh and you feel it through the screen. Like it is just, it's just a wonderful movie, Andrew. Like the fact that I, we talk about a lot, like what would the world be like if this had won instead of this? This is the, this is the timeline I want to live in. I want to live in the Ninochka timeline, the one where this wins. Cause what, like, yeah, you know, Gone with the Wind, uh, you know, Big, brash, bold, classic for a reason. Uh, Wizard of Oz, obviously an all-timer. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, a great, wonderful, genuine movie. But this is this is right in line with what I like. Like I just like you know, it's got it's got the Hollywood beautiful people. It's got all that. It's got a love story that really works, but it's also just genuinely so so funny. And it's so rare that a comedy from 
you know, this is 1939, right? It's like 80 years ago almost, and it still hits. It still works. Like there's – I don't think there's any jokes in here that for me didn't land. Like it is – No, fun. not at all. It's I, so It consistent. works so perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. I love the opening of this film. The opening title screen says, This picture takes place in Paris in those wonderful days where a, when a siren was a brunette and not an alarm. Mm-hmm. And if a Frenchman turned out their light, it was not on account of an air raid. And it's just like, you know, the jokes are right there from the beginning. Um, but one of the things which I absolutely love about this particular film is the sense of timing and the sense of making you wait and appreciate certain things. It takes 10 minutes for Nanochka to appear in this narrative. <laughs> she is the title character, of course. And yet, you know, we spend so much time with these three charming Russian agents, Ironov, uh, Bulyanov, and Kapelsky. And they're kind of like... I found it in... Um, you know, we talked about... Uh, well, you talked about on Queer and Now, um, Wizard of Oz, and the Friends of Dorothy, in a way. And it, in a way, like... This is kind of like the Russian version of the Friends of Zanotchka. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which absolutely. I thought was, uh, yeah, there, there is this kind of, um, this affable charm to these particular characters. And there's this um, aloofishness to them as well. They are immediately likable and immediately charming because they are these people who are coming from communist Russia and they're coming to a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. And there is this beautiful, powerful kind of um, dialogue about what the differences between the two different places are. And it's not saying that communism is better and it's not saying that capitalism is better. There is a decision made at the end uh, to essentially operate outside of both of those ideologies. Um, But in the same hand, it's also like each has their benefits and their pros and cons. But coming back to that laughter moment that you're saying, you know, that happens about halfway through this film. So we spend so much time with Nochka and Greta Garbo being serious and it makes people wait. Yep. It makes people, I was told that she was going to laugh and sure Man. enough, she laughs. And when it does, like Ugh. the film wasn't tight. It didn't feel like a, a balloon waiting to burst or anything like that, but it just feels like there's a little bit of air being let out and oh, you yeah. feel like, oh, this is, this is it. I understand it's a little bit more mm-hmm. comfortable. Um, and this is utterly charming. And something, utterly something charming I stuff. think that goes under talked about in that scene is Melvin Douglas's performance of that scene. I mean, it's so good. It's so good. Like the first time he tells the joke, he tells it perfectly. Everyone laughs except her. And I love his how flustered he gets around her. And that starts when they first meet. Like he is obviously just kind of entranced by her, by her beauty, all that stuff. And he is just like only has eyes for her in this whole movie. So when she's not laughing, it, it, it he panics. Right. And he starts telling the joke improperly. Like, oh, we, let me start over. There's a lot of those moments and they so work. And I, I even love like, yes, she is rigid and serious in the beginning, but she's still human even before the laugh moment. Like she is intrigued by him. He flirts all the time. She doesn't really get it. But she's like, you know, she kind of looks at him almost like, ah, OK, maybe I'll study this one for a while. He's interesting. I don't know if he's an idiot or not, but like. I'm interested enough. And then like, you know, they kiss and it's not just like something that happens to her. Did you hear that? It's 12 o'clock. It's midnight. Look at the clock. One hand has met the other hand. They kiss. Isn't that wonderful? That's the way a clock works. 
What's wonderful about it? Ninochka, it's midnight. One half of Paris is making love to the other half. You merely feel you must put yourself in a romantic mood to add to your exhilaration. But I can't possibly think of any better reason. That's false sentimentality. Oh, you analyze everything out of existence. You'd analyze me out of existence, but I won't let you. She enjoys it. And she is a woman with sexual agency, which is maybe not what you expect of an American film about, you know, about Russians, right, coming to America. But from the very beginning, she's like, and she's as one. She's like, do that again. Like, let's try that again. I enjoyed that, right? Even without having all of the emotions tied up. And it's like weird to say this, but it's a remarkably subtle movie, the way it moves. Like, slowly she gets more human and she falls more in love. It's not overnight it's not a like i'm very serious oh he kissed me now i'm in love and everything is flowers and poetry it's not like that at all it's like she's working out how to let some of this stuff out throughout the movie so when the scene finally happens where she gets kind of you know mocked by by this american woman like you genuinely feel really sad for her in that moment like because you have gone on this journey with her as she has opened up more and more and to have this stranger come in and be cruel to her, it's hurtful you to mean the, the audience. The French princess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's just, it's, you know, a lot of comedies make the mistake of going too quickly um, and making these changes really fast. And Nanotska never makes that error. Like, it is remarkably restrained. And it's, it's interesting because I think if I had watched this without knowing anything about it, like I hadn't seen the cast in the beginning um, – I think I probably could have picked out that this was written by Billy Wilder. Like this feels like because Billy Wilder, uh, for my money, is the the best writer of romantic comedies there's that has ever lived. Oh yeah, and I yeah. don't and I don't think I can't imagine anyone doing any better. There's 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 other great ones, right? But like Billy Wilder, it's just like it's amazing how long his films last in terms of the cultural consciousness. And really, really hold up. And I'm. It makes me sad that more people don't talk about this in the same breath of like some like it hot. Because um, this is just this is incredible. Like the only person I know online who reacted when I said I was watching this uh, is a friend of mine named Stephanie. Uh, her at is Scrawfish. Um, she's also a podcaster, really into horror movies, but also really into old Hollywood. And it was like she had been summoned by the gods, <laughs> as I mentioned in Ochka. She very re- she's not a person who like comments on a lot of my posts. Like not like she's standoffish or anything, but like we just don't interact constantly. Um, so it wasn't something like oh I'm going to interact just because it's Dave. It was like no this is a movie i really really love and i was like oh my god she shared like a picture of like an art book that she has based on it which Mm. is incredible it's so good yeah and and i was like like what am i missing about this movie because she has pretty good taste she knows her stuff so i was like okay and then i watched it and like i you could not have prepared me for how much i love this movie like this is we talked in our last episode about how stacked 1939 was for the oscars if i have a vote ninochka and without Without hesitation, this is the best of the bunch. And w- can I just say one last thing? Greta Garbo fucking robbed in oh, that Oh, very Oscar. much robbed. Like, Never won an like, Oscar. I like Vivian Lee's performance very much, uh, given what she's working with. But this, this I don't say this about many performances. This is a perfect performance. There's not really a single is. moment where I don't believe her. There's not a single missed mark. Like she, re- she gets the comedy, she gets the drama, she gets the romance. This is a really difficult part to play, right? Because this could be very over the top and very silly, and she takes it just to that edge and then peels back a little bit 
and shows you a little bit of humanity. And yeah, some of that is the script, but a lot of that is Garbo, and she is phenomenal here. And I feel like I wish she had been able to do more comedies before this. I think she did a comedy after this, and it did not do very well. This um, was her second last like, film. Yeah, yeah, but this yeah. is just—it's perfect. It's a perfect performance. It really is. One of the things which I absolutely love about it is that you know we keep on coming back to it. It feels like a, a really major central scene, the the laughing scene. But yeah. what I love about this is that these moments don't occur in bubbles. You know, it's really important that after that scene, we get a following scene where she's supposed to be serious and having a conversation about the whole reason she is there, which is about this jewelry that needs to be sold. And as everybody's sitting down and being serious, she bursts out in laughter. And it just makes her feel more alive. Because I think yeah. of I think of all these romantic comedies and all of these kinds of major moments of... Um, the, the moments of, of shared laughter and the shared uh, joy and beauty and all this kind of stuff that two lovers have with one another feels like they're just kind of contained. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're in that moment and then they're never referenced ever again or they don't feel like they carry weight. And I mm-hmm. think that comes from a, a bit of a modern perspective in the sense that, all right, let's see how this goes with test audiences and if it doesn't work, then we can take it out. Yep. But if you take that scene out of Nanochka, the the film doesn't work. You need it there. Yes. And that's the thing is every scene is vital here. Every scene mm-hmm. is important. And I wish that some people, writers, would have a little bit more confidence in being like, you know, I for some reason the film that comes to mind, um, and it's nothing like Nanochka at all, but the film that <laughs> comes to mind is there's something about Mary. You know, who mm. we've got Ben Stiller as this kind of really static uh, kind of person. And then the major scene of him having ejaculate on his ear is like, it is this pivotal moment in that particular film. Yeah. But to me, it also feels like you take that out of the film. Like if test audiences didn't like that, we would not have that part of film history. Right. And the film would carry on just, just as fine. And I feel that's a real shame for a lot of uh, romantic comedies that they... They don't think about the cohesiveness, the relationship, right. the core relationship. And while that's not the only thing about Nanochka, it's not just a romance. There is, um, you know, this this wonderful political commentary in this film, which only Lubitsch and Wilder and, and, you know, there are other writers there, of course, but we keep on focusing on Wilder because this feels as strong as a Wilder script as it does, as you are saying. But the political tone and 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 discussions in this film is really fascinating because it really digs into the differences between the two and you know this film was made uh right as uh it it came out november 9th 1939 and it is kind of um there is something really fascinating about this particular film because there was a throwaway gag early on when Nanochka is coming to uh, France and the her three intrepid Soviet agents are there waiting for her. And they think they're waiting for a man. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. so sure enough, a woman appears. But there are a whole bunch of different people who they start to approach. And there's <laughs> yes. two people who approach and they go, Hail Hitler! And it's just like... <laughs> 
<laughs> hilarious that it's like, you know, this is right on the moment. And you've got two people, you know, I, I watched Foreign Correspondent yesterday, which is a film that talks about the increasing uh, coming nature of the war and people believing that war wasn't coming and all this kind of stuff. And yet you have somebody like Lubitsch who understands uh, intimately what's going on in Europe right. to the point where they inject a joke that is so deliberate and pointed about something that is coming and, you know, so keenly aware of what the change of the world is going to be coming along. And again, it's a throwaway gag, but it carries so much weight. And this right. film, every single scene carries so much weight. It mm-hmm. is, it is a perfect film it really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm glad that we just dis- discovered it because I mean, we discovered it. No, like it's, yes, uh, you know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but we but have unearthed this. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I think that, you know, because for a title like Ninochka, it's like, it feels foreign. It feels different. And, yeah. um, you know, as, as prejudiced as uh, we try not to be, uh, it is hard not to look at something like this and just go, uh, you know, you've already bottled up what this particular film will be in your head. I can guarantee right. everybody it is not that film. No, all. I mean... With the title, I didn't even think it was going to be a comedy. Yeah, same. Like, it sounds very serious. I It does make me wonder, like, would this movie be remembered more fondly if it had, like, a catchy title instead of Ninochka? It's, it, it does kind of keep you at a distance, which is appropriate for the character. That's that's exactly what he does as well. But, like, we need to draw people in a little bit. One thing I kept thinking of when I was watching this, so Melvin Douglas, I for the, the whole movie, I was convinced this was William Powell um, of the Thin Man fame. Because they have very similar voices, very similar faces, like very similar cadences of their of style, of comedic style. And it was really interesting to watch because like Nick and Nora work because they're both quick and they go back and forth and it's like banter back and forth. And this is kind of the obvious the opposite where he's really quick and she just like lets him lets him wear himself out, kind of like you would with a child. Like, go ahead, just get it all your system. And then she'll, she'll say her like one sentence and kind of you know, set him down on the couch. Like, you're done now. I approve my point. It was really interesting to see those contrasting styles end up really working. And you can see her slowly getting charmed by him. Like, and there's never a point in the movie, and it would be very easy to do this, where she's, like, disgusted by him. Or, like, ugh, these stupid Americans. Instead, she's like, huh, that's interesting. Why would you say that? Why would you do that? So, And it's always really funny to me when people try to talk about flirting in a scientific way, right? Because that's what, essentially what she's doing is like, why did you smile like that? Why did you wink like that? Why are you looking at me like that? Why are you moving so quickly? Like it's very throughout the whole process until she starts to fall for him a little bit and his way of life. And of course, that's, you know, there's that kind of undercurrent of uh, a political message here of like, you know, these folks from Russia being swayed by the goodness and the American way of life and all that stuff. But it's also not done with a sledgehammer, right? All that stuff, not just with her, but with her three little cronies, that stuff all works really well because they never – and it would be very easy to do. Again, they never forget about those guys in the in the plot of this movie. They are consistently – every once in a while, going, like, remember? Remember the plot? Remember the whole thing with the jewels? Remember these guys? We got we to gotta figure that out too. It's not just a romance. There is a whole plot mechanism going through, and it just like – I would love – 
to have seen what the process of writing this movie is like because it just it feels like you know when you like do a puzzle and things just like lock into place and you're like yes that's it that's what this movie feels like where everything that happens it's not a movie that's easy to predict right things happen that surprise you but when they happen as the audience you're like yes that is exactly what needs to happen right now. And it just feels so right. Everything about this movie locks into place with every single every single thing that gets added into it. And it's not a simple movie. The plotting isn't simple. It's pretty complicated for a comedy, as most comedies are, actually, if you think about it. There's that's the crux of comedy, especially situation comedy, is like and then things get complicated because someone doesn't tell someone something or some uh variable gets thrown in. But here, every time a variable gets thrown in, it gets solved in a really clever way that is still pretty realistic mm. to the situation. It feels right? organic. It never yeah, exactly. It just feels genuine. And that's something you don't get a lot in comedies. Because sometimes you're like, like comedy, I got to forgive it because uh, it's there because it works for the joke. There's not a single scene here that is there just for the joke. The jokes are there, but they feel true. Yeah. One of the things which I find really interesting is that because the, the jokes do feel there, like feel true, as you're saying, um, it never feels to be a punching down. You know, I was a bit I was a bit cautious oh. about this particular film, like that it would punch down on Russia and and punch down mm-hmm. on um, communism and stuff. And I don't say that as being like, oh, poor communism, poor Russia. You know, I, I say that in the <laughs> sense like, you know, it it doesn't have a political agenda. Okay, no. it doesn't have it doesn't have a desire to say, look at those silly Russians, they are terrible people. How dumb are they? Kind of thing. And it doesn't do that because it is very affectionate to all the Russian characters. Yeah. And, you know, that that scene, we keep on coming back to it, but when she sits in the diner and she's like, I want to go where the working people are. Beautiful moment where she's like, I, no, I need to know where the working people are. I have to eat with right. them. And she's like, I just... Give me a beetroot. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so good. It's so good. And your your discussion of this, like, not punching down, I think, is actually really important to this movie. Yeah. Because that scene that you're talking about, we talked about it a lot, but it is the linchpin of this whole movie. Right? If that scene doesn't work, the movie fails. Right? That scene has to work. And if she becomes the butt of the joke, then it doesn't work. But also right? if the working people become the butt of the joke too, because right, right. There, there is equivalency between the working people of Russia and the working people of France. Sure, yes, they speak a different right. language, they operate in a completely different system, but they are one and the same. They, yeah, they both have the same struggles. There just yeah. happens and to it, be more of them in Russia. Yes, and that scene starts off with her a little bit being the butt of the joke, right? Like him just being like, you have no sense of humor, and everyone else is laughing at the joke. But then it like flip Wilder again, just genius of writing, flips that all on its head and makes him literally the butt of the joke. Like literally he falls through this table ass first, and she laughs at him and everyone else laughs at him. So they both get a little bit of taste of being the focus, here where it would have been so easy to be like oh look at the stoic russian isn't that funny that she doesn't laugh but the fact that you have that garbo laugh in that scene and have and not only him being the butt of the joke but him laughing at it too yeah right now i think that makes the scene all the better because if he gets mad and like storms off and then comes back later then ugh, this has a kind of an ugly feel to it but like at first he gets mad and you see him like look around and kind of take stock of what just happened. And then he just kind of breaks like, uh, yeah, okay, all right. 
that's pretty funny. I admit it. Like that's that's not bad. And then you know you mentioned like like you know I want to be with the working people. And then I love later in the movie there's a there's a great moment where she drinks champagne for the first time. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful um, moment. And and when you see the look on her face the first time, you're like, oh god, she's gonna hate it. And then she turns and she's, I love it. I want to have some more. And like keeps drinking. And I'm like. Oh, this is so sweet. This is so nice. Like, there's so much in this movie that pairs these nice moments with these awkward moments when the princess shows up. And it just, and it, it's interesting that that is the villain of this piece, right? It's not the Russian government. It's not the Russians. It's the aristocracy of of the allies of the United States, right? So that's a really interesting move. And yet, this movie was uh, was suppressed um in certain areas because you know soviets weren't a big fan of this movie uh, probably because of the end uh doesn't doesn't really end well um for for the the soviet government in this you know they end up staying and you know starting a business and all that stuff but yeah this stuff like man it just it really really works and it never overstays its welcome either it's like it's it's like an hour and 50 minutes but this movie just hums like, oh yeah, I, yeah. I, it, it feels like a ninety-minute movie. Like it just, like it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And you mentioned the first ten, fifteen minutes, no Garbo, no Nanochka, and yet even those moments don't drag. You're not just like, and I, I find myself wondering how different this would be watching it in 1939 versus now, because back then Garbo laughs. Go see the movie in the first ten minutes, no fucking Garbo. Like this is the star. Star of stars, bring on Garbo. But we're watching it in a very different perspective. Like, we've maybe seen two or three movies out of Garbo. We know she's a movie star, but it's not like we're only watching this for that reason. But I, I think it must have been a very different experience. But for me, watching it now, I'm like, I could I could follow comedy errors with these three idiots all night long. This is great. Yeah, I want, a, I want a whole series of them. Especially, like, so yeah. at the end, they basically everybody, all our main characters go to Constantinople, which is... Uh, Istanbul now, and um, thank you. I, they might be giants. Easy, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, <laughs> but I I love that they kind of find this uh, this oasis uh, in some regards, which will have its own political problems and stuff like that. But um, they they find a a slice of the world where they can be themselves. They ha- they can yeah. have their little home of Russia in a, a completely different place. And I, yeah. I love that. I, I really do. I, I want to see more. And I love that the, the jokes don't stop until like, I think of like um, airplane or as the Australians call it flying high, um, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, that has, that has probably one of my favorite button jokes in that whole entire in, in comedy in general, like you have to stick around and the guy, I'll just give him five more minutes, that kind of thing. But Nanochka as well also has, like, Mm. it is funny up until the last shot where, you know, these three uh, Russian diplomats, essentially, uh, they decide to build a a restaurant. And it's a throwaway thing, but the the final shot is of Kapowski carrying a protest sign complaining that Ironov and Bulyanov are unfair because his name does not illuminate (laughs) on the electric sign in front of their new restaurant. It's a great joke, And it's a great joke. (laughs) And it takes you a second, but it's hilarious because it's like... It just it just comes back to all the politics and stuff like that. It, it does. And one of the things which I think really must be applauded with Nanochka is that it 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 celebrates the allure of both realms, and yeah. it celebrates the allure of like, oh, capitalism. Look at this. You can have everything that you want, but there is a divide there. And yet, um, 
under communism, it's like, all right, well, we all work for the same cause, the collective cause and stuff like that. And we all are equal and therefore it's fine. You know, and, and I love that we actually get a moment back in Russia where Nanochka has those three guys across and, you know, she's got this communal room and they're all like, wow, look how big your space is. How many people are in here and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, there is a, a familial quality to the, the home living status in Russia. And I, I don't think at any point do Lubitsch and the writers or, or the actors at all condemn that kind of living at all. They're right. saying, you know, this is just a different slice of life. Mm-hmm. And it made me think of like, you know, uh, to get a little bit reflective for a moment, it made me think more of um, different social uh norms around the world and things like that and for some reason it made me think of the film uh shoplifters i don't know if you've seen it all but effectively i still haven't i still you really must yeah. yeah and and it's you know shoplifters is a film that is about uh effectively different generations living under the same roof and choosing the people who you live with and love and then i think about you know in australia at least and i'm sure it might be the same case in america where you know, as soon as you leave home, that's it. You're never living with your parents again and you're never living with your grandparents again. Whereas in Italy, uh, it is very common to have multiple generations living under the one house. And I know that's not what Nanoshka is about, but there is that feeling of embracing the different and embracing a different style of life that is not a Western life. That is, a, right. you know, this is how a different slice of the world lives and it works for them. It may not work for us, but it works for them. Just like capitalism works for France, for you know America with its you know problems and all this kind of stuff, and the rest of the world. And just like to an extent, communism did work for certain parts of the world, even though it has negative, toxic traits. Just like capitalism does. And right. that in itself, I really find fascinating. And you know, if I. I I think out of all the political discussions and the um, the think pieces and stuff like that, I'm genuinely surprised that Nanochka hasn't been dragged out and, and reassessed in that manner because mm. I would be really curious to read or see um, or listen to discussions from people who are much smarter than me, much um, more keenly in tune with this kind of discussion. Um to look at a film like this from a modern perspective with an understanding of what it was like back then as well. That's what I really want to see and, and learn about. Um, right. Because not only is this a great comedy, it's, you know, great politics and all this kind yeah. of stuff. It is, it is, you know, it, while I love Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, there is a, um, everything about this film just works. It's everything yeah. that I want in a movie. And it takes all the right The boxes. romance works so well too. Like when he goes back to her, Oh yeah, like I mean that. Like I got emotional when he showed up again and was. But like, did you, you know, did you get emotional as well when she receives the letter from oh, him yeah. in Mos- Moscow and yeah. it's all being redacted? It's, it's like heartbreaking, and you're like, oh, and I was thinking, like, God, is this how this is going to end? This is so terrible. And then he shows up, and there's I can't remember the line now. I was trying to look for it, but I can't find it about like how he's just gonna you know, prove it over and over again to her. And it was just like, oh, yes, this is the romance I needed. Like, it was so good. And it's the really the one moment in the movie where he's, like, genuinely there. Like, he's not playing a game. He's not flirting. He's not making a joke. He's just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes. 
I'm going to be there for you because I love you. And I was like, oh, man, it's so good. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Melvin Douglas was genuinely in love with Greta Garbo in that moment. I mean, who, I mean, who how could be? you not be? How could you not be? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I love, I found this on the Wikipedia page. It says, Ninochka is based on a three-sentence story idea by Melchior Lengel. That made its debut at a poolside conference in 1937 where they were trying to find a a suitable comedy vehicle for Garbo for MGM. And here's the three sentences. Russian girl saturated with Bolshevist ideals goes to fearful, capitalistic, monopolistic Paris. She meets romance and has an uproarious good time. Capitalism not so bad after all. And I was like, yeah, that's it. That's, That's the story in a nutshell. And like. It's, you know, the the prospect of writing is incredible to me. Like, you just take that, that three sentence, which is like, okay, yeah, I could see that being mildly entertaining. Sure. Why not? And then it turns into a perfect goddamn movie. Like, it's just like, <laughs> you get the right people, you get the right actors, you get the right director, you get the right writers, and it just is magic. And this is, this is why, this is why movies are great, right? You can be, we talked about you know, kind of film preservation and watching older movies in our last episode. And this is what I'm talking about. These are the magic moments where you're like, you don't know anything about a movie. You just, you know, download it or pop in the DVD if it exists and you just, you get washed over by this and you never know. Sometimes you're going to get a movie that you're like, eh, I don't really get why people were so enamored with this. Uh, Sometimes you're like, oh, I kind of liked it. And sometimes you get Ninochka. You get this movie that's like, now I'm like, okay, I need to own this. I need to rewatch this a bunch of times because I just like I want to be in that world again. Like I want to experience this again. And it is a little it can be disheartening when you watch movies like this. You're like, I'm never going to experience this moment again. Like where I first watched Ninochka. And it's on that level. This is going to be one of those movies that I'm like, it's going to be like, you know, when you get in relationships with people like romantic relationships, you have those like four or five movies like, okay, you have to watch this. You have to watch this with me. And Ninochka might end up being on that list, right? I can imagine it's it like, would be, yeah. It's, like, enjoyable. It's romantic. It's comedic. It's just fun. Like, this is – and it's one of those – frankly, it's one of those movies, like, if you watch this and aren't moved in one direction or the other, whether it's the comedy or the romance, like, I don't think I want to hang out with you anyway. Like, I, I don't know that we can be in a relationship. Like, nah, we're good here. Um, I'll, I'll be fine with Ninochka. You can now. Like, yeah. this is this is where it's at, so – I, I know for sure that this film makes me want to do a double with Grand Hotel. You know, mm-hmm. it, it is just to to have the two sides of the, the Garbo coin, essentially. Like, I, I want to see... She was so good in that film. And then, you know, I, I just want to see the two variations of her here. And, yeah, it is... It They're feels so, like, different. so different. So different. So different. Yeah. And so iconic as well in so many different ways. Um you know, and uh, reading as well on the Wikipedia page, I find it interesting. I, I didn't realize that the AFI did like uh, 100 oh, they got, movie quotes and stuff like that. Yeah, they got lists for everything, baby. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? But the two quotes from Ninochka that were nominated, um, like uh, when Ninochka, it's midnight, one half of Paris is making love to the other half. Like, who writes such beautiful dialogue? And then, wow, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and then I love as well, must you flirt? And Leon goes, well, I don't have to, but I find it natural. And Ninochka's response is suppress it. Suppress <laughs> it. And, and and when you read that line, it's funny. Yeah. It does not hold a candle to Garbo's delivery oh, of that it's suppress so good. That line. Like it's just completely deadpan, looks him right in the eyes, suppress it. Yeah. Like, must you act like this? <laughs> like, and again, it's never hateful. 
that no. could be a line delivered like really cruelly, but if she's just saying it like you know, no emotion, just like you should you should stop that now. I you know yeah, no, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, and I love the thing I love about their interplay is that he uses wordplay and she refuses. Yeah. Like every, like, you know, she says she's looking for the Eiffel Tower and he's like, oh, that thing gets again. Like he's always like got a little quip and she's always just looking at him like, man, you never take a break, do There's you? There's no stopping like, you, is there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is so enjoyable. Like the thing that she ends up like loving uh, is that he tells her like a bit of trivia about, you know, about the stairs versus the elevator. That's what she holds on to. Like she holds on to the reality of life and he holds on to the romance of life. So when the two of them meet and fall in love, he gets a little more reality. You know, he gets a little bit down to earth. Like he would not have traveled all the way to go find her if if she didn't change him for the better. And in the same way, she gets a little more, a little less realistic and a little more romantic. And that's really good for her. It's really like a perfect couple, like the perfect partnership. So you, what you're saying is it's compromise. You know, that's one of the key aspects of relationships. And I think that, you know, you talking about this being a film that you might use uh, to test people in f- future relationships. Hopefully, yeah. you know, your, your future partner no is uh, not a listener for this show, you know, so they know what's going to what they're going to be in for. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that's one of the key things. And, and, you know, we I look at films and not every film needs to be a life lesson. You don't need to take something away from the film as to being a better person or changing your life or anything like that. Like it is a rare film that will change your life. It is a rare film that will actually change how you see the world. And I'm not saying like the is wind. that film. Like gone with the wind. Yeah. Like gone it's with the wind. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not saying that Nanochka is a film that will change your world or anything like that. But if there's one thing that it does encourage me to reconsider and to, to remember, I think is probably the better word, is that compromise, is the nature of a relationship where you there is that ebb and flow between two people. There is an ebb and flow between two people who love each other or are falling in love with each other. And it's understanding that, you know, okay, your affectation here is a bit of a quirk, which I don't particularly like, but I'm going to accommodate it because you're going to accommodate my affectations and quirks. And I think that that is something that is really charming that we forget so much because we forget that a relationship is push and pull. We forget that the relationship is listening and learning and finding the things that we like about one another. And... You know, I think looking back at these these romantic comedies from the you know the time, like The Thin Man, like it happened one night, like Nanochka, and I just wish, you know, these modern romantic comedies. I mean, romantic comedies nowadays is it's a dying genre in a way, but mm-hmm. I I wish that they would look back at this and go, let's look at a genuine relationship because I think nowadays a genuine relationship on film is so serious you know it's a it's a married couple who are struggling and it's like that's interesting sure for the right film but it becomes the only kind of relationship and then it feels like the people who are genuinely in love with it one another there's something wrong with them but it's actually off the surface i i think of the the recent film i haven't seen it but i know the plot description but the recent film Happy, or Happily, I think mm. it is, mm-hmm. um, with Carrie Bechet and uh, Joel McHale. And it's like the two people, you know, there, there has to be something wrong with them because right. of the fact that they're so into one another. And it's like, 
why can't people just love each other and and be right. genuinely interested? You know. Yeah, and what you mentioned about like not every movie has to be a life lesson. That's very true. I would argue that the best movies are. Um, and that truly great movies do it without you realizing it. Yes. Like when I watched this, I never felt preached to, I never felt like this was a lesson on relationships, but like, as I watched it and as I kind of sat with it, I was like, wow, this is actually saying some really interesting things about relationships. And it does it in a really clever way because it does it with some stereotypes, right? You have the like stoic Russian and you have the like, the Frenchman lover stereotype, right? Um, and then they meet in the middle and they both become better people, but then it makes you think about your own relationships. Like, how have I changed for people? How have I changed other people? Is that healthy or unhealthy? And where do they go from here, right? Like, okay, they had like a fiery little romance and then she had to go back to Russia. Where does that leave him? Does he go back to being the man he was? Or has he been so inextricably changed by this that he has to make different choices with his life. And that's what the movie is telling you that like this relationship is the first one probably he's ever had in his life that truly shook him to the core and he had to do something about it. He wasn't going to accept this person leaving his life. He was literally going to risk life and limb to go find her because it, because she was worth it. And because he was a better man while he was with her. Like that is what the movie is telling you. And that is powerful stuff, but it's all couched in, but also, isn't this warm? Isn't this romantic? Isn't this funny? Isn't this a good time at the movies? And this is why Billy Wilder is the greatest romantic screenwriter who has ever lived. Because he manages to do that, not only in a good movie, but like in 110 minutes. And he doesn't let you know that he's doing it until you're walking out of the theater. The credits are scrolling and you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> what did I... What did you do, you know? But, and, uh, but the thing is... That's he, the mark of greatness. Yeah, and they also make us miss people as well. Like, when when the two are separated, uh, Leon and Anochka are separated, and don't see him for a good 10 minutes while she's in Russia, and it makes us miss him. And then when he appears again as a surprise to her and the audience, we're both like, oh, you know, there's that... that that, that weight has been lifted off us. Yeah, it's like a palpable relief when they're together again. You, you, I don't think you even realize how much you miss him. You know how much she misses him because she's talking about it with her, her three buddies there. And then when he shows up, like, you know, you get the letter scene and that is like hopeful and then it destroys you in like a 10 second moment where you're like, oh, he wrote to her. Oh, there's nothing there because the government took that away from them. So they lost that, too. And then he like the very next scene, he pops up out of nowhere like a daisy. And you're like, oh, God, (laughs) love is real. Love is happening right here in front of us. And I think it's important that in that moment he does get really real with her. He doesn't he's not he's not he is he does have flowery language, but he's not doing it to get over on her. Right. In the beginning, it's like pure flirtation and you're just saying anything you can to spend time with that person, which we've all experienced. But in that moment, it's for the first time he is being truly honest with how he feels and how important she is. And it's the exact again, that script, it's the exact right moment for him to say, for him to be real, for him to be genuine and her to accept it. Right. Because she misses him. And instead of being dour and strong, she's finally ready to admit that yes, I miss you. Yes, I want to be with you. Yes, this is what I want my life to be. And like, because it's a fucking movie and it's a romance, they get it. 
and it's beautiful and you get to like walk out of that theater or get up from your chair at home and feel a little bit lighter and feel a little bit better about the world around you. Cause if like, you know, someone from, you know, communist Russia and someone from capitalist France can get together and make a better life, then there's hope for everybody. We all got a shot. <laughs> yeah. In a modern version, it's North Korea and New Zealand. Yeah. Right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there's a chance for all of us, buddy. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the, the, the endearing question, the enduring question is, does Nanochka matter? And, you know, given our discussion, of course it matters. Uh, and so much so, like, I think, you know, for these extra film discussions we've done, um, I think that, you know, there, there have been a few films where I'm like, oh, gosh, like Top Hat, for example. You know, I love Top Hat, but Top Hat's in the public consciousness. And I want people to seek that film out. But there's, like, at this point in time, there is no film more that we've discussed as an extra film that I want to bash people over the head to say, go and watch Nanochka. And that's not a very nice thing. I don't want to hit you to so just watch it. Like, go yes. and watch what this a, film. What a gift of this experience to everyone who listens to the show. Like it is, it is a movie that I cannot recommend enough. I can't think of a single person that I wouldn't recommend this movie to. Right. It, it it's, and that is rare. Usually it's like, oh, it's a very specific person that will like this very specific kind of movie. But this is a movie, a true crowd pleaser that absolutely everyone should watch. So if you have the means, I think it's on Amazon. You can rent it. Watch Ninochka. It's a hard it's a hard movie to spell, uh, but it's a very, very easy movie to watch. Like it is it's, – it's like that title does not do it justice. I don't know what I would call it, but not Ninochka because it does keep you at a distance. But give this movie five minutes and it will have you, I'm convinced. I agree. So yeah, so that is Nanochka, uh, directed by Ernst Lubitsch. It's a wonderful film. Um, should have certainly won Best Picture uh, over Gone with Wind, that's for sure. Um, and mm-hmm. you can send hate mail to Awardstone Pod on Twitter. Um, send it to me. I will fight you. Darn that, Dave. Come get me. <laughs> <laughs> he he has his pitchfork ready. He will defend himself and defend Nanochka, <laughs> uh, which, you know... Uh, Gone with the Wind does not need defending. Um, but what might need defending? I don't know. I've not seen it. Is our next winner, the 13th Best Picture this winner. This is so crazy to me that you have not seen this movie. <laughs> you, Mr. Like, Hitchcock fan. I love Hitchcock. Yep, love Hitchcock. Uh, I've watched the other film of his that was nominated for Best Picture, Foreign Correspondent. Um, but the winner, Rebecca, um, the only Alfred Hitchcock film to win Best Picture, uh, is yep. what we'll be discussing next. Um I'm really looking forward to that, by the way, because this is I've seen it before, but um, I just read the book that it was based on. So I think it's going to I'm going to have a whole bunch of different experiences rewatching Rebecca. So mm. and I'll finally get to watch The Great Dater, uh, Charlie Chaplin's movie, which I've yeah. never seen. So, yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm very excited to watch that. And I believe, look, I have I have pinned that down as being an extra film that we want to discuss, um, mostly because um just like Lubitsch, we don't get very many opportunities to discuss Chaplin films. I think it's because you hate Jimmy Stewart. Uh, you've had two chances back to back to have Jimmy Stewart movies be your extra episodes, and you are saying no once again. Only because <laughs> I'm giving you the opportunity in the future when we reach the 19th one to discuss a film that nobody cares about, which uh, it's a wonderful life, isn't uh, it? You motherfucker. <laughs> I will fucking kill you <laughs> one of the 10 greatest movies to ever be filmed yes we will get there I we will get and, there and, and maybe i will cry on a podcast for the first time <laughs> <laughs> we won't always like i mean 
you know, we won't always discuss uh, the obvious, um, the right. obvious alternative, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Um, uh, certainly, you know, you all know that Citizen Kane is great. Okay, do you need a podcast about two dudes talking about Citizen Kane again? Probably not. Uh, what if I lied and said, like, it's a terrible movie and I did a podcast like that from that perspective? Maybe that would be interesting. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I, one of the things looking at James Stewart's filmography, um, and we will wrap this up in a second, but one of the things which I found really interesting is in 1939, and I only noticed this when I was looking at um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, this dude had one, two, three, four, five films released in 1939. Um and yes, I just referred to James Stewart as this dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but in 1939, alongside Mr. Smith's Washington, he did a film called It's a Wonderful World. Oh, so close. And then seven years later, he did uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, unfortunately. Hey, he finally got it right. Good yeah. for him. <laughs> Good for him. Um, so yeah, join us on the next episode of Awards Don't Matter, where we discuss Rebecca. And uh, yeah, I hope by then everybody will have watched Nanochka um, because it's great. Uh, so yes. thanks for listening. Um, leave us a rating, a review and all those kind of stuff. I didn't ask for that in the last episode because I don't want stuff written about us uh, in relation to <laughs> Gone with the Wind. We already thought of Fair. all of that stuff. We already know what you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, guys. Well, how's this one? Two men are looking at the moon. One of them says to the other. Is it true that a lot of people live on the moon? The other one says, sure, it's true, about 500 million. Then the first one says, Whew, they must be pretty crowded when it's half moon. <laughs> uh-huh. So you don't think that's funny? No. Well, it seemed funny to me when I first heard it. Maybe the trouble isn't with the joke. Maybe it's with you. I don't think so. I'll give you one more chance. Here goes. When I first heard this joke, I laughed myself sick. Here goes. A man comes into a restaurant. He sits down at the table and he says, Waiter, bring me a cup of coffee without cream. Five minutes later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we have no cream. Can it be without milk? Not funny, huh? No. Well, it is funny. Everybody else thought it was funny. Maybe you didn't get the point. I'll tell it to you again. A man comes into a restaurant. Did you get that? Yes. All right. He sits down at the table and he says to the waiter, Did you get that? Yes. All right. It isn't funny so far, but wait a minute. He says to the waiter, Waiter, bring me a cup of coffee. And five minutes later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we're all out of coffee. Oh, no, no, you've got me all mixed up now. Just on the table, he says, waiter, bring me a cup of coffee in five minutes later. And that's it. He says, waiter, bring me a cup of coffee without cream. And five minutes later, the waiter comes back and says, I'm sorry, sir, we have no cream. Can it be a glass of milk? Oh, you have no sense of humor. None whatsoever. A grain of humor in you. There's not a laugh in you. Everybody else laughs at it, but not you. <laughs> What's so funny about this? <laughs> <laughs>
Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details.